Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's uh, Monday night, and um, I'm really a little under the weather here. You can hear it the way I'm talking. Uh, besides my knee, I got down there with some kind of cold or bronchitis, who knows what. But uh, my good friend, my very good friend, Dr. Jerry Insel, just came with some medicine, so I hope it'll help. Uh, I want to do the parasha, which is being sponsored by uh, my very good friends in Columbus and Baltimore, living now in Columbus mainly, uh, the Pollocks. Um However, it's it's for a, uh, I'm sorry to hear about the accident that Mr. Pollock was in. He's um, sponsoring this week for my wife who's having surgery today for a leg fracture. She had as a result of a car accident two weeks ago. Oy vey. She said it should be for, she said it should be a foolish lame, but for her leg and for my leg, me, myself, and I. So that's very uh, classy of her. I do hope that Kathy Pollock will get better soon. In fact, they're supposed to come on the trip. And um, anyway, you know, we don't see her at the, at the, I was wondering why I didn't see her at the uh, classes. And uh, I wish her very much a foolish lame, but here we Now, uh, this week's Parsha by Yetze is so many adventures we all know, you know, Yaakov and Lovin and all the rest of it. It's been done over and over again. I myself, I'm sure I've done a lot of different things over the past years. So uh, my attention was drawn uh, through a series of coincidences, circumstances, to something I was just doing now when I was reading the Shnai Mikra on the one hand, and also something I think I mentioned the other day. Uh, I can't remember if I mentioned it here or not. That's, uh, I don't remember the places I say talked over. Uh, from the Nefesh Achayim, which I happened to be reading, and uh, was really uh, and, and really struck me uh, interesting, as as you'll see, um, and I'm talking about the fact that it says Vayisha Yaakov Rachel Vayisav Tolo Vayivk, the Yaakov encounters Rachel, kisses her and cries. So first of all, the rabbinic tradition very uncomfortable with the idea they kissed a girl in public. I mean, uh, let's put it this way, you know, uh, your rabbi wouldn't do that. Chavetz Chaim wouldn't do that. Vilna Gaon wouldn't do that. So what about Yaakovina? He was from it in all of them. He's one of the Avos. We imagine our Avos, we always like to think of them as moral exemplars who lived lives of Chassidi Elyon. And therefore they never deviated, you know, ki certainly in any area that has to do with Tzinias and things like that. How can you kiss somebody like that? You'll see in a second that it was considered scandalous, Taka. But he did. And therefore, now you have to eat it. What, does, what, 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 what do you do with it? So very interesting. Rashi does not um, go into the why he kissed her, only why he cried. Uh, which is a separate question. Why did he cry? Remember, he never met her before. Now, I mean, he didn't know who she was. She told him who she was. Uh, isn't that right? What does it say? Uh, no, he told her who he was. So, um, I guess... He must have known uh, what he called who she is. Did did the shepherd say who she is? Uh, it doesn't say, but he could like recognize her because it says like Yaakov is Achimo. So I guess he must have said that's Lovin's daughter. 
So uh, it's it's interesting. Now, um, what's going on over here? It's most unusual. I mean, I do see, I have to say, I do see a lot of people, right or wrong, kissing, you know, uh, male to female, female to male, especially relatives, which is not exactly according to the din, um, without going to all the details of Hilkas Nita and so forth. And uh, it's interesting to me that you do see that a lot. But it's not supposed to. And I'll say it again. A chash of a rabbi doesn't do that. So why would Yaakov? So the Menish Rabbah had to deal with this problem thousands of years ago. And they're trying to get their wrap their heads around it. Um, and it's just interesting that they obviously going to have to justify the behavior of the patriarch Jacob. On the other hand, it doesn't become normative in Jewish law. The Medrash says, Medrash Rabbah, regular Medrash, it says, Kol Neshika Shel Tiflis. Any kind of kissing, in other words, between men and women, any kind of, uh, uh, absent, of course, uh, you know, I'm talking about a husband and a wife and a father and a young child, you know, but, you know, uh, kissing across the sexes, Shel Tiflis, is inappropriate, let's put it that way, will lead to trouble. Barmetlus, there's only three that are okay. Neshika Shel Gedula, Neshika Shel Prakam, it's okay to kiss someone. It's appropriate to kiss someone when they have a, a, a promotion. That's why it says the prophet Samuel kisses David or Saul when he anoints their head. Even to this day, if you know the, um, you know, the, I'm sure King Charles in England is going to have a, a coronation of some kind or another. And you'll see at a certain point, the, the, the high priest, the archbishop will, will ceremonially kiss him. So that's one. The second one is okay is Neshika Shal Prakam. The third is Neshika Shal Precious, which are two sides of the coin. One is if I haven't seen you in a long time and now I see you and it's been a long time, I say, oh, how are you doing? I can give you a hug and a kiss. That's man to man um, because it, it, it because we see Moshe and Aaron did it. You know, by Yelch, by Yifkashir, by Haling, by Yishaklo. Notice the Torah t- takes the trouble to tell you they, they hugged and kissed. Why should the Torah care? And the other way around, the shikol shall preach this. If I'm departing from my loved ones, Batisha Garbalo Mokhlechamosa, that when, uh, you know, the story of Ruth and uh, Nami and Arpa hit the road, she kissed her mother in law goodbye. So that's apparently appropriate. Well, how does that fit for Yaakov? It's none of the above. So Rabbi Tachum Omar, Afna Shiko shall crave us. If you kiss a relative because you're fond of them, being a relative, there's nothing uh, erotic in it, nothing sensual. So this medrash is making it sound like a person could kiss uh, female relatives, uh, sort of like a blank check, which is not the aloha. And I remember, um, I haven't looked at this in a long time, but if you, if you look at Evan Ezra over there, I think the be Shmuel, somebody, they, they, they talk about this, okay? <clears throat> now, um, so that's the way the Chazal is dealing with this, that Yaakov did act appropriately. Although, we have a case over here where maybe in the time of Chazal, it was felt that this is halachically appropriate. By the time the halacha underwent its uh, gradual transformation through the Talmudic process and the Rishonim and the post-Talmudic process and this and that and the other, so you end up with the very puritanical culture we have today, which is nobody should kiss anybody except, like I say, a spouse or a child or something like that. So Yaakov did it, but we can't, you know. That looks like the way they uh, deal with it. I'll tell you again, it's very interesting 
that Rashi doesn't even discuss it. Okay? Now, um, but then he cried. Now, Vaisa Kohen cried. Remember, he cried loudly. So why should you cry? So you, the, the Pashim shot, he was overcome with emotion. He walked hundreds of miles, especially if he stayed 14 years in Finally reaches his destination, he sees his relative. So you could say he's just crying for happiness to see her. But it's a little weird. He never saw her before. So why should we, you know, if they were long-lost cousins that knew each other when they were young, and now they're reunited, I get it. But Stamazai, he, he seen somebody first time he never met before, it doesn't make any sense that he kissed her. This is not my fart. I mean, it is, but I'm happy to say that I found the same observation in my favorite commentary in the Medish Rabbah, my rusty, trusty Efeitoar from Shmuel Yaf Ashkenazi, who lived in the time of Yosef Karo. He's great. And uh, in other words, I like his stuff. Let's put it that way. And uh, he says, you know, I mean, that, why, that don't make any sense. Why, you know, why, why would he kiss her from happiness? He, he, he never saw her, you know. Um, so it is a little, it is, it is a little strange. And, and they start crying. So why would he cry? So, um, now I'll get back to the kissing in a second. But why would he cry? So again, there's, he, that's where Rashi kicks in. And it gets very midrashic because it's a midrash. So you could say that Yaakov by this point had Ruch HaKodesh. And he saw this girl that he's in love with because he was in love with her. It says that. By the way, there's nothing wrong with that. A person should be in love with his wife. I'm in favor of that. Are you? Uh, your wife, I said. <laughs> so he had Ruch HaKodesh. How do I know he had Ruch HaKodesh? What is the story that precedes his arrival in Lot's territory in Aram Narayim? The the uh, the ladder that was on the ground and went to the heavens. Sula Musabar Sarosha Shemaimam. That's the whole beginning of the parsha as we know. So what is that's the Navua, baby? That Mamash the Navua. This may be Yaakov's introduction of the Navua. I wasn't one of these Maimonidean prophets, the way the Rambam describes the Murnavukim. They had to go through all the exercises and work at it and apprentice yourself to a Navi and so on and be a Navi in training. And, and, and I, I didn't know, you know, I was just running away from Esau and then boom, it hit me. So, nevertheless, after that experience, Yaakov is not going to be the same person. Uh, you know the whole part over there, God gives him a promise. And the whole idea of I repeat what I always say every year, Shemaim does not mean the heavens, the skies above. It means um, the metaphysical uh, universe. So he saw a ladder, if you wish. He saw some kind of a chain of being, which begins in the material world, but extends into the immaterial world, into the non-physical world, which does exist, but you can't see it. It's not subject to, to time and space. Metaphysical, but it does anyway. In other words, the Shemaim is the metaphysical and the artist is the physical, right? Doesn't mean the, the sky with the clouds and the, and the ground below. So, um, if he saw that, and then subsequently he met Rachel, so it's possible to say that he already had the vibes that she's going to die, you know, uh, young on him, relatively young on him. And that's why Rashi quotes, it's a matter talking this week's Parsha, where it says, that he saw she's not going to be buried in the, in, in the Mars Machpelah. Okay? Okay, it could be. In other words, let's put it this way. That would be, 
Aruch HaKadosh type vart. It's not a Pashup Shah type vart. It's a Ruch HaKadosh type vart. But in the case of Yaakov, Ruch HaKadosh is a Pashup Shah. Okay? Those are going to be hyper-rationalist and say, oh, how do you know the Pashup Shah is a from Dumbidum? No, you just had the whole story of the Nevuah, of the Sula Musa Rosh Magiyah Shemaimah. So he sees Rachel and he has these uh, these feelings. That is a possible way. It's a little unusual. It's definitely a possible way to read why he cried. Alternatively, the matter says that he cried because he saw he had breached the local Tzinius customs. He was ashamed. Lama Bacha Shara, this is Medrash Rabba. Shara, Nasha, Malach, Shemela, All the Arab um, uh, shepherds were murmuring to each other. He had kissed a woman in public? What's this guy trying to introduce immorality? A Jewish liberal? Because in that part of the world, at least, after the Mabal, they went the other direction, which they still are today, which is in Arab society, as you know, in Middle Eastern society. You don't have public displays of that sort of thing. And uh, listen, aren't they having a revolution as they speak right now in Iran over the Shaitals? You know, hijabs and so forth and so on. So, and Hada Amra Anchi Mizrakadum and Erva. And that's why the Chazal say that the people, um, let's put it this way, in the East are Gedurim and Erva. Meaning you don't see them, you know, carrying on with orgies and things like this, as you saw in the Roman and Greek empires. You see, there you saw in the street. It's Vegas, you know. <laughs> it's Adom and Amara. That's who the Romans and the Greeks were. But the Anshay Mizrak was not like that. So Yaakov went to a place, as we would say, in the in the East. And are on the Rhine, in Kurdistan, as they call it today. And uh, so he, he kissed her innocently, and then he looked around, and he saw everybody thought he was lascivious, and he was offended by this, and he cried. I mean, I can, I can totally hear that. It's a little bit funny that he would cry. You know, like, oh, you're chashed me and all this. I mean, I think Yaakov said, the heck with the Arabs. What do they know? They don't understand what's going on over here, me and Rachel. But okay, you, you, you could hear that. And the third way, the matter says, and all this is in Rashi and other Mephorsha, is to say that he uh, saw Rachel, uh, he kissed her, because he was in love with her. And then he cried because he was broke. Right? So in other words, imagine you see, a, I've just given an example. Imagine a guy falls for a girl, or vice versa, but let's do it my way. A guy falls for a girl, and then he realized like this, he, you know, she ain't married anybody unless you have an MD, <laughs> you know? You, you're not in the right economic level for this girl. And this guy's crazy over her. So it hurts. And he cries. I'll, t- I'll be perfectly honest with you. I've known people like that. You know? Um, life is all kinds of situations. And uh, there have been novels and things like this written along these lines. And I don't make fun of them. It's an interesting read because we like to look at other people's troubles. Everybody's like voyeuristic that way. But nevertheless, it's a pain. And so, as he says, Eliezer and Aram, Shoshal Chavis Rivka, he had Asar Gamalim, Bani Lo So Yaakov would have wanted, this is just very nice. It's a nice psychological shot. He sees Rivka, he hugs and kisses her. He, um, now I'm going with the Pashim shot, they hugged and kissed her. 
some of your other mafarshim, like the Ralbag, will say, no, he kissed her on the hand like you do with a, a noble woman, which completely vitiates the whole problem. In other words, if he just did like that, you know, like you say, how do you do, my lady, like you kissed the hand of the Queen of England or something like that. So there's nothing erotic in that. But the Pashim shot is he kissed her. Um, you know, kissed her on the cheek, kissed her on the lips, whatever he did. So, um, but then he said like this, this is the girl for me. Shoot, I am broke. I have no prospects. What a bummer. If I only was Eliezer, I would come here with a blank check from my old man, and I would say, Rifka, you're the girl for me. Let's get married right now. I'll pay your father off, Lovin. Because if he would have had money, one could throw all the junk of Lovin. He would say, I want to marry your daughter, and let's negotiate, let's dick her. And Lovin would say, I want $300,000 and 55 camels. And who knows what they did in those days. And he would sell her. That's what they. That's what you did. You and I know the story. Because Yaakov was broke, he went through all this junk of 21 years. Isn't that right? He had to work it off. Uh, even if you learn, like Rashi, you know, that he married him right away, but he had to work, 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 work. Um, like a dog. Like a dog. He says later on, you know, freezing at night. We know the story. So this because he was broke. We forget this. Now, Yaakov made money there. He worked himself up from the bottom up, like happened to many Jews. Came with nothing, and they squirreled away a penny, and then they squirreled away two pennies, and you live a very frugal life, and eventually you have ten pennies, and eventually you have a hundred thousand dollars, you know, like that. That's what happened. That's the story of Yaakovino. I mean, I just want you to understand that. Um, that's why he had to learn to be a good shepherd. He didn't have an experience in that. He was an Ishtam Yoshevoli, but he learned pretty darn quick. Why? Necessity is the mother of invention, my friends. If you want to make if you have expenses to pay, you will learn how to be a shepherd or whatever it takes if you're a responsible person. And Yaakov was a responsible person, especially when he married. So he cried because he said, what a bummer. I don't come from a poor family. The truth is I actually have the bracha from my father. But I'm broke for various reasons. You know, however you learn it, you know, with the alifas, whatever. I'm broke. And therefore, how are we going to, be get, how are we going to get married? I mean, that's that's the way he's he's thinking of here. So that's a more of a human type of touch. And what you're saying is Yaakov was crying because of his financial situation, which he feared would prevent him from winning the hand of his beloved Rachel. Makes sense. Makes sense. Now, even more poignant is the Sephorno. Uh And the Sephorno said like this, Yaakov met Rachel, he was 75, 77 years old. He said, here's the girl for me and I'm over the hill. Doggone it. This says, is why couldn't I have met you 50 years ago? Right? Aye. 50 years ago. And now, right, you see, we were, uh, I should be a grandfather by now, a great-grandfather. I'm uh, getting married the first time. This is the phenomenon that we see sometimes of the person who doesn't get married in their 20s or their 30s. And they maybe get later later in life. And, you know, there's all kind of special challenges that are attached to that. You know, will it work out? Will they have children? Will this, that, and the other? You know? Uh, and Yaakov is worried about this. It's a very, very interesting Sforno because it's coming from a different angle altogether, as far as I can see. And he's a very human, 
Yaakov is scared. You know, here's the, here's the girl for me. I could feel it. Um, and he was in love with her. But then he looks at himself and says, uh, will she even want me? You know? Which is a fair question. It's a fair question. Now, in the end, they got married. He was much older than his wife. And that means he was an old father. Correct? He was an old, Even if people lived longer in those days, which I understand, I get that. Even if you say older in life, but it's it's a it's a different challenge um, to be an older father. Uh, I think we all understand that. And he and he's crying over his fate. You see, he's crying over his fate, which is very interesting. Now, um, nevertheless, it is strange that he would kiss somebody. This really brought them the foreground in my mind. Mamish, what I read the other day in a Nefesh Achayim, from a Kabbalistic uh, perspective of all things, right? And that is, in chapter 21 of the first, uh, the very last chapter, the first part of, uh, no, the, no, it's Chavbeis. Uh, yeah, so it's Per Chavalf in the first part of the Nefesh Achayim. And uh, it's very interesting, because he talks about the fact, of course, you know, Nefesh Achayim's major theme is that all the mitzvahs, correspond to different parts of the metaphysical universe and your body and uh, your supernal body and this and that and the other that's you know that's w- what he's all into um, and he says that the people who were high madrega like the Ovos, like Anam and Chava, like Noah and those type of people um, had a higher um, uh, IQ in the spiritual sense that we do and they could see let's put it this way like the pipe works the invisible pipe works that connect the Eretz with the Shemayim, the world that we live in physically with the world we live in um, metaphysically. And as you know, major theme, I'm sure everybody knows the major theme of Kabbalah is, is like a ping pong. I do a mitzvah, it sends out good vibes to the uh, Olamos, to the metaphysical world, which bounces back in the form of some good thing down here on this world. And if I do an Avera, it happens in the reverse. So, the only thing is you never know precisely how it works out. In other words, here I am sitting in Baltimore, and let's, uh, let's just say for argument's sake that this is a good writer. I'm just making this up. Let's say this is a good writer. Um, maybe, as a result of what I just said, maybe, as a result of what I just said, some Israeli soldier, the bullet's going to miss him by two inches tonight when there's a terrorist raid somewhere in Israel somewhere again. Now, you'll ask me the question, what is Katz's podcast have to do with that Israeli soldier that I never met, he never met me. Oh, the answer is you, dummy. You don't know how the pipe works worth it. See, Noros. Really, you and him share some common fate, even though you were born here and he's born there and you're older and he's younger. Nevertheless, you have the same Shorosh Neshama, whatever. There's a whole set of ways of explaining this in what they call the Lurianic Kabbalah. Okay? And there are ways of explaining it. And um, I don't know it. Me, myself, and I don't know it. It could be, like I say, I saved an Israeli soldier. Could be that I helped a little old lady, you know, cross the street safely. Could be anything positive on it. And by the way, when I do an Avera, could be that it affects somebody else negatively. This is, you know, this is a major part of the Kabbalah. But there are some people that do understand this. Not many, you know. You get your Abchal types, Shin Yochai, Vilnagal, people like that. Okay, the Ovos. The Ovos. Now I'm going to say what the Nefesh Chaim says. And he says like this, that the Torah wasn't given until a certain point in history. Why? 
because God wanted to give free reign to the great people like the like the Avos, who lived earlier, to stray and veer from the halachic um, uh, Judaism when it would be necessary and appropriate for their Shorosh Neshama. Bezu haisa kol inyan avodosam shal avos v'chol tzadikim roshonim shekimus atorah karmensi nasa. This is how we understand that Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, and those people kept the Torah before it was given. Okay? Um, like it says, Why would Noach make a distinction between kosher and non-kosher animals? In his time, they weren't eating animals. Time of the flood? The answer is he learned the Torah. But what does that mean? Kiyam Avram, is called Torah. But they were not Yosef. They were commanded. Meaning, they saw or they discerned in some fashion or other, which we'll never understand, they discerned that there exists such a chiv uh, of kashras, of Shabbos, of Tarsim Mishpacha, of Eru, whatever, whatever you want to say. However, they were quite aware that they were doing it in a voluntary capacity. In an I'm telling you what Chaim Belazer said, not me. All right? Lo shayim mitzvah in v'osin din, because then they would never have deviated. And we find sometimes the Avos and people from that era did deviate from the Din. I just gave you one example, my friends. Yaakov kissed the Rachel. Now that's nothing, nothing compared to the fact that he married two sisters. So that's where they all make the whole big shmeel. You say, oh, he kissed uh, a girl. Uh, that's that's bupkis compared to the fact that he had an incest. He made two two achios which we all know. But everybody speaks about the fact that it was for Montori, he could do it, and this, that, and the other. So, Rechaim Belajner says, Yaakov would never have dared to do something like that. Even Hashem. Yaakov, with his Kabbalistic superpowers, I'm serious about this, he may have seen that in, that the din is meant for the regular people. But this very specific din is not meant for me in my particular situation where I find myself, because in my particular situation, it's going to be necessary to deviate from the din in order to achieve a higher purpose for the Bria. I know this because I know how the Olamas work. I know how the Tzinoras, the pipeworks work. I know how the neshamas work, and I know this is the right thing to do. Now, what Chaim Belashen is saying is, that's because the Torah hadn't been given yet. Had the Torah been given, and, and they would have been prohibited by law, but Silviosa, he wouldn't have deviated even the slightest. And you wouldn't have found these funny situations where Yaakov married two sisters, and Amram married his aunt, which you're not supposed to do. Rock, but it, the, but it was not the Torah had not been given yet. It's the pre-Torah era. Rak mitzah hasagosam betohar zichlom hatikun manor manasim chol mitzvahs bolos kochz al yom tachtonim. But rather, what they had, I guess you would say like this, carte blanche, because of who they were. It's not for everybody to do. It's only for yechidi skula, for tzadiki adur, chasidi elyon. It's not for you and me, even if we lived at that time. But for people in the high madrega, so they could do what you and I would, I guess, today call a harasha or something like that. It's not a harasha, but something like that. Okay? Um, why? Because hasagosim b'toh with the pure seichel 
they understood the tikkunim hanorim and nasim b'chol mitzvah olamas and kochus al yom atachtonim habagam mechur maharisa chas v'sham im lo yikaimum. So they would see that um, it's necessary for this and this person to act in this and this way, or for me to marry two sisters, or as I would say, or for me to kiss Rachel. Knows I know what I'm doing. Now the Arabs don't get it, and a regular from Jew wouldn't get it, because you're thinking it's a Vyosa situation. Had the Torah been given, and the Shulchan Aruch been put out, Yaakov would not have kissed her. He was a from guy. But it had not been given. Became Noach, he says, and similarly, which is why, interestingly, he says, by um, that every time he says the word Elohim, it's Balakochus Kulam, Hashem in that capacity, Balakochus, Shesigu and Yoni Akochus El Yonim, Betachtonim, Bechukus Eshmai Varz Mishtaram, that these people were talking about, let's say the Avos, they understood all the secrets of the universe, Besedar and Agosim is Kashtam, I mean the secrets, the secrets of the universe in the metaphysical fashion, and al piseder zeh when it says vayisalech hanoch es elohim, or else elohim is halach noach, or Avram says elohim asher es halach abasai lefonav or whatever. Um, what it means is hayukolech me em es halach misneg b'chol yonav kefish arav v'hisig atikun melyon v'chorish tishmaso, because he saw for him is exceptional case, and if he does it the way he wants to do it, so basically. <coughs> It goes like this. I could be wrong. This, I, I can only tell you the way I understand, as I always say. Really, we we say like this. Don't ever kiss a girl other than your spouse. And he said, don't kiss a girl. Why? It can lead to, I don't know, mixed dancing. So you say like this. Not me. Now, that's true. Let's say that's true. You understand what I'm saying? Like we see in America, all, all cynicism aside, if you meet someone in the social circumstances, you see by now from people, it's actually a part of the ritual now. You say, hi, how are you? Hug and kiss them, this and the other. There's nothing erotic in it. Um, but is a low plug. Because by you it's not, and this one it is, and, and, and it'll take off, and next thing you know, you'll have stone and amor. That's that's the general idea. That's the general idea. But ain't a Hanami, for this person or that person, it's not... A violation of Sinaeus. You see? But it doesn't matter because once the Chazal or whoever was legislated that you can't go and kiss somebody, so it doesn't matter if me, myself, and I, in my circumstances, this lady I know, let's say she's 97, you know, I've had those situations. They come over and say, oh, give me a kiss, you know, with those uh, bar mitzvahs and things like that. So, uh, I mean, a 97-year-old lady you ain't going to get involved in no situation with her. It's a little plug. You understand? Because if you do it, then they'll say, if he can do it, then I can do it here, I can do it there. And next thing you know, the whole thing falls apart. But before Matan Torah, it wasn't legislated. It's ain't a And therefore, a person, if you're properly, you know, spiritual, could make his or her own cheshbonos. Uh, and understand, for me and Rachel to have the right relationship is necessary then now that I see her, I kiss her. Um, the others didn't understand that. That's why they murmured. But Yaakov knew what he's doing according to this. If he saw eventually, as the story proceeds in our parsha, 
that he's going to end up marrying two sisters. In other words, he wanted to marry Rachel. He didn't want nothing to do with Leah, as we know the story. By the time Lavan bamboozled him, so Yaakov apparently, now I'm giving you what kind of Belushim says, not me. See, Yaakov saw it meant Minashamayim to marry the two sisters. Wasn't my plan, but I see this is the way it's got to go. And this is how you'll be boned by Yisrael. Yoga kami yigizu, so he moved heaven and earth to to accomplish this goal. Um, and Chen Amram and so on and so forth. So in other words, what he's saying over here is that when we use, generally speaking, uh, we say, how could Yaakov Magdus say this? Oh, it was before Matan Torah. It doesn't mean, so before Matan Torah you could do anything you want. Before What it means, according to the Nebuchadnezzar is, so before Matan Torah, people who were morally responsible, great tzaddikim, who knew what they're doing, which is not everybody, it's actually very few people, could act um, in a way, could make exceptions to the rule. I'll put it, that's a better way of putting it. Make exceptions to the rule. Once the din, din is out, once the Torah was given, uh, so all the exceptions were closed off. So when I refrain from doing that, even though I could say to myself, this is ridiculous, nothing's going to happen between me and this person, this lady, um, I realize this, I'm doing it, but nevertheless, I, I follow the law. You understand? A from Jew says I follow the Tariq Mitzvahs. Uh, whatever, whether I think it applies to me in this situation or not, Bernie Shalom wants to give the Torah to the whole Jewish people. He says, I want everybody to keep everything according to the rules. So then, it was a different story. If you go like that, then you don't have a problem with how Yaakov could, could kiss Rachel because he knew what he's doing according to this. Remember, I'll say it again. He just had the dream. He just had the dream of um, Sula Mutsamarza he was already holding by that madrega. He saw Rachel. He realized this, that, and the other. And um, and he wasn't wrong. You know, the two of them were meant to be together. But uh, on the other hand, um, on the other hand, you know, it, it, others didn't understand it. And according to the Chizkuni, she didn't get it either. Okay? Because he may have been in some super madrega, but that don't mean this young girl named Rachel was. She was Lovin's daughter. And indeed... Uh, he immediately told her he's their relative. So the Chizkuni says, so she wouldn't be disgusted that he kissed her. Because who the heck is this? Uh, priest is Dick Eisvarf. You understand? And he said, no, 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 we're relatives. In fact, you may have heard of me, we're actually destined to get married. You know that story, right? That this one's supposed to marry Esau, this is supposed to be Yaakov. Uh, we're, supposed to, we're, we're, supposed to, we're supposed to get married. So, um... So that's how he was able to justify. Because at that point, he was in a different spiritual madriga than she was. It's a it's a very uh, interesting um, way of looking at things, this, this Nefesh Chaim, because it has a certain form of history, I would call Kabbalistic history, or meta history, in which he's looking how the nature, the spiritual nature, not the biology, you know, not the geology nature, the science nature, but the spiritual nature of the world, evolved over the centuries, in this case, the key point not being the flood or something like that, but Matan Torah at the time that it was given. Anyway, that's uh, what occurred to me. We'll, I went a little bit over time. I do want to thank the Pollocks again, and I do hope Kathy will do well with this uh, procedure and fix up her leg. And and my and my knee should also get better, as she said. And, uh, you know, we should all, the next time we see each other, we should all be better.
For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.